The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. This past weekend, about 100 people hiked up an Icelandic volcano where officials, activists, and others said their farewell to what was once a, a glacier. A memorial plaque was installed at the site of the glacier, which was declared extinct about a decade ago. Iceland handing out a death certificate as a massive glacier melts completely away. Prime Minister Katrin Jakobstad are predicting that climate change has only started taking its toll. If the predictions of the scientists, uh, if we see them happening, we will see other glaciers disappear in the next decades and centuries. This student at the weekend ceremony reflecting on how future generations will judge us. I will know that my grandchildren will ask me uh, how this day was and why I didn't do enough. Dave Packer, ABC News. So in nineteen or in 1890, the glacier in question covered about 16 square kilometers, but by 2012, it measured just 0.7 square kilometers. This was Iceland's first glacier to disappear, but geologists, as you heard in that report, say all of the nation's ice masses will be gone in 200 years. Dr. Simini Howe, an associate professor at Rice University, was there over the weekend. She joins us now. Dr. Howe, thanks for taking the time. Of course, I'm glad to be with you. Now, tell us about this day. Tell us, uh, just, you know, go through it um, and explain to my listeners what happened. Well, the the memorial was actually organized by me and a colleague of mine, Dominic Boyer, as I was working on a research project about the loss of ice in Iceland and how that's impacting social systems and cultural values in the country. So we worked with our Icelandic colleagues, Andrei Snyder Magnusson, who is an author and a poet, and he wrote the words for the plaque. Mm-hmm. And then we also worked with Odor Sigurdsson, who is the glaciologist who declared Okjokult, or Ork Glacier to be no longer a glacier in 2014. He went up there and inspected the glacial remains and decided that it was no longer a glacier because it couldn't move under its own weight. Hmm. So for the event itself, to get back to your question, um, we were greeted you know, at the base of the mountain by uh, Prime Minister Jakob Stotter, who we just heard, and several other officials including Mary Robinson, the former president of Ireland and former UN High Commissioner of Human Rights, and they gave very moving speeches. And then about 100 of us started uh, up Oak Mountain. It's about a three-kilometer hike uh, with some elevation gain. It's very rocky terrain. Uh, Last year, we had gone up the mountain uh, previously in what we called the Unglacier Tour, (laughs) number one. And um, the Unglacier Tour was meant to be a kind of recognition of the fact that glaciers are disappearing in Iceland and around the world. And also because of the fact that we see a lot of glacier tourism in Iceland that makes use of snowmobiles and hiking on glaciers, and that's all well and good. But we wanted to draw attention to the fact that these bodies of ice are, in fact, disappearing. So when we got to the top of the mountain this year, we were there to install the memorial plaque. And we did so with the help of several young people who made it up the mountain with us, the youngest being eight, uh, and the young woman that you quoted in in Uh the talk just a few minutes ago. And we asked the young people, the children who were with us on the hike, to actually push the plaque into place so that it would be affixed to the rock. And we saw that as sort of a symbolic way of them 
fixing or cementing their own futures, hopefully for the better instead of the worse. Now, it said, uh, you know, the researchers, everyone involved, hoped the commemoration would provoke feelings through the powerful use of, of, of symbols and ceremony, and I suspect it did for for those who were there. Um, do, you, do, you, do you think that it's, it's having an impact outside of those who were there? Well, it's been really interesting to see the circulation, starting in social media, but then through the mainstream media as well, the circulation of this image of the plaque. Mm-hmm. And again, these are Andres Naramagnuson's words, but they've, they've really struck a chord. And the reason they've struck a chord, I believe, is because they really invoke the future. The last lines of the plaque say, you know, this is a recognition uh, that we know what is happening and we know what needs to be done. Only you know if we have done it, if we did it. And it has at the bottom of the plaque 415 parts per million uh, CO2, which is the concentration of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere currently. So I think the circulation of the plaque has created a global response that people can connect to, even though most of the human population of the planet will never be near a glacier. Uh Most of us will never be able to visit them or come into contact with them. So in some ways, they're very abstract, and we see them as very beautiful, but this is a way of of becoming closer and being able to have contact with glaciers in ways that many of us never will be able to. Well, well, for those of us who, you know, live in Edmonton and Alberta along BC, you know, the Rocky Mountains and the, and the, and the, and the ice fields that we see there and we, and we drive through there and we can see them and, and we can witness them, um, they, they are a beautiful thing and, of course, draw a lot of tourism. And you were doing studies uh, into this uh, beforehand on the social systems you talked about and, and the cultural systems. You talk about uh, the glaciers in in Iceland and you talk about you know this the social part of it the cultural part of it can you expand on that a little bit and and what it is that those bring uh, or what what the what those glaciers um, bring to the communities to that to that country on that front mm-hmm. yeah that's a great question in many ways glaciers define some of the identity of Icelanders The island is known, the country is known as the land of fire and ice Mm -hmm. because of the many volcanoes and glaciers that that are part of the landscape of the island. In fact, there are many glaciers covering active volcanoes, which causes very interesting reactions in terms of the geothermal activity of melting glaciers, melting literally into volcanoes and the kinds of responses that creates. But in in a kind of longer form of history, glaciers have been very threatening entities on the Icelandic landscape for most of human habitation. Icelanders first occupied the island, came to populate the island in the year 874, and during most of that history, glaciers were considered threatening sources of either glacial outburst floods that could destroy homes and farms and villages uh, with this rushing, cold rushing water, or they could encroach upon farms and, and family homes by by growing through the valleys mm. and literally overtaking spaces. So for most of human history in Iceland, glaciers have been a threat. And now what we're seeing is that Icelanders are really seeing firsthand that glaciers are under threat. So they've gone from being a kind of source of concern uh, or fear for Icelanders historically to being a source of concern and care. And I think this is a really big shift that we've seen even in the last five to ten years in the way that Icelanders are experiencing 
there are glaciers that have become a really important part of the national patrimony, but that have really, in a, in a sense of how, how people feel about them, have made a really dramatic shift because of climate change and their dramatic loss. Well, and I, and I think one of the things, too, on, on that front, you know, um, economically, I mean, um, there's a lot of tourism driven to Iceland because of this, and loss of that could have an impact uh, financially, big time. Absolutely. I mean, one, one population of people that I've done a number of interviews with over the last few years are tour guide operators. So these are glacier guides who make their living taking people up on glaciers, again, either through, you know, in these sort of modified trucks or yeah. snowmobiles, but often through hiking. And they have conversations with tourists who come to the island, and, and they have a sense of how things have changed. So even just four years ago, when I asked these glacier guides, are people talking about climate change? Are people asking about climate change when they go on these tours? And the answer across the board was no. Mm-hmm. No one wants to talk about it. No one asks about it. In the last year, that has changed substantially, where almost every, at least according to the guides, all of these tourists are asking about climate change, how it's affecting the glaciers, how much longer they have. So again, I think we're seeing really a quick pivot in terms of the public consciousness and awareness of this. And it is is in places like Iceland, as in, you know, places like Edmonton, these are places where climate change is really, really vivid and visceral. People can see it, they can feel it, and that makes a big difference in terms of understanding what the impacts are. You know, Dr. Howe, uh, I didn't even have to look at my text line to um, know that some of the, some of the, or know what kind of the reaction from some people this conversation was going to have. And just let me read a little bit to you, okay? Um, Jim says, oh my God, don't be so stupid, people. The whole country was covered by a glacier at one time. Uh, Cole says, sorry, Jay can't listen to this climate change BS. Text me when you move on to a more realistic subject. This one says, sorry, glaciers are remnants of the Ice Age, and the Ice Age has been melting away for 55 million years. And Vic says, since the last Ice Age, the glaciers have been melting and receding. It would not have been, was it not inevitable that we would one day see a day when all the glaciers would eventually melt? There are a number of people who continue to believe that this is just a part of the Earth's natural cycle. What do you say to them? Well, I would say that they need to look at the science um, because we can see that the atmospheric concentration of carbon dioxide is going nothing but up. This is what the the monitoring station at Mauna Loa shows these numbers, and they call it the hockey stick curve. This is a very famous image, a scientific image that shows us 800,000 years of of natural variation. So your commentators are correct in the sense that there is uh, variation, and... They, they are correct in the sense that glaciers do grow and recede. We can even see that in Iceland. But the truth of the matter is, is that scientists all over the world are now in 100% agreement that glaciers are receding in, in almost every place in the world, except for strange exceptions, uh, which they can account for. So in Iceland, we had the little ice age. The glaciers grew at that time. But ever since the early 1990s, we've seen nothing but retreat of these glaciers. So they're doing nothing but suffering what they call ablation, Mm -hmm. which is the loss of mass. And that's, I want to clarify that a glacier is not just a chunk of ice. It's actually a piece of ice, a a series of layers of ice that grows and moves over time. Mm -hmm. So part of the definition of a glacier is that it can actually move under its own weight. Hmm. So that requires a certain amount of thickness and mass balance 
in order for it to be able to move. Some of that is gravity driven. So when you're looking at valley glaciers, if they're in a very steep valley, then of course they can move faster, but on a low mountain, that's less likely. It's, you know, it's really interesting because ever since this story came out, I've been getting, you know, getting emails and commentary from people who are questioning the the reality of this. And it's, it's a little heartbreaking in a way, because one of the things that I've found really frustrating about the climate conversation, especially in the United States, but maybe this is also true in Canada, is the way we talk about it. And that is, we always ask the question, do you believe in climate change? Mm. As though it were a kind of matter of faith, as though it were a kind of theological question, as though it were a question of religion. How and I think for ask? some people it is. Um, but it's, it's, it's very interesting that we can't sort of have our religious beliefs and also understand that science represents human reality as well. Mm. You know, I mean, the classic example being like, if you don't believe in gravity, it will still, <laughs> you will still trip and fall on your face, <laughs> whether you believe or not. And so I think that's, that's what we're seeing with climate change also. We're really tripping and falling on our face while we ask questions about what we believe. And Dr. Howe, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. I appreciate you joining us this afternoon. And I have to be honest with you, I'm looking forward. I'm uh, hopefully going to Iceland next year and I want to see it for myself. So I'm so uh, looking for forward you. to see the beautiful country uh, sometime oh soon. <laughs> You'll love it. Thanks Th- for the conversation. Thank you so much. Dr. Howe joining us this afternoon out of Rice University.